engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello and welcome. It's Eric Erickson here on Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number here at WSB 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. Friends, we need to bring you up to speed on the fetal heartbeat legislation. It has been delayed and I suspect the delay is intentional. The delay is designed to allow the Democrats to mount opposition to it in the House of Representatives. Uh, It has been held. They were going to have the vote on uh, Monday or Tuesday. They're now looking at having the vote tomorrow. This has allowed the Democrats to produce a poll that suggests the overwhelming number of of people in Georgia, at least in some swing districts in the metro area, are pro-abortion and are opposed to any sort of regulation on abortion. Interestingly enough, and I want to delve into this poll to show you what's going on here, how they do this sort of stuff. It's actually kind of eye-opening. But we've also got this situation with Georgia Right to Life. Georgia Right to Life has come out in opposition to the fetal heartbeat legislation. Yes, you're you're hearing that right. A pro-life organization is opposing a pro-life bill. The reason they are opposing it will make your head hurt. This is uh, an issue of of zealots and compromise. In order to get this legislation passed, to get the votes necessary, they had to put in some exceptions for rape and incest and the life of the mother, the usual three-exception rule that Republicans tend to favor. So if uh, a woman is raped and she files a police report um, on the rape, not just using it as an excuse, but is actually raped and files a police report, uh, abortion would be okay beyond the the limited time frame for abortion after a heartbeat begins. If the, there's a, a, a victim of, of incest within the family, a, a molestation, what have you, the, the abortion would be permissible. If the mother is going to die... Uh, due to the the life of the due to the birth of the child, an abortion is permissible. And also, there there's an exception that used to be, by the way, Georgia Right to Life actually uh, was one of the groups that pushed for this several years ago. An exception that if if with medical certainty the child will not survive outside the womb, not because the child is deformed in some way, not because the child has Down syndrome or anything, but but um, because of of a clear um, clearly medically produced evidence showing the child cannot survive outside the womb, an abortion would be okay. Because these exceptions are in the legislation, those exceptions are necessary in order to get the legislation passed. The legislation would not pass the House or the Senate without those exceptions. Georgia Right to Life is opposed to the legislation because Georgia Right to Life takes a position that it is better to allow unrestricted abortion than to prohibit any abortions if some could still take place. This is zealotry in the in the real world. This is what it looks like. It, it's better to allow all children to be killed than to save some is essentially the position. Now, you'll, you'll probably recall several years ago, I helped start the Georgia Life Alliance. Uh, and the Georgia Life Alliance, and I don't mean to to, to cause political squabbling today, but one of the reasons I helped start the Georgia Life Alliance several years ago is because of this issue at the federal level, uh, George uh, W. Bush was pushing for restrictions on abortion, but he was not prohibiting all abortions. And as a result, um, the Georgia right to life was opposed. And then a couple of years after that, we had a situation where Republicans pushed legislation through the House of Representatives to prohibit abortions after 20 weeks. That's when a, a child could feel pain. But there were uh, a couple of exceptions in there. One of the exceptions was if a woman had been raped, recognizing it takes some time after that trauma for a woman to go to the police. uh, They allowed that exception there. And Jody Heiss and other Republicans were put in a very difficult position where Georgia Right to Life took away their life writing or in some other way penalized them because they supported legislation to prohibit abortions after 20 weeks, but not every single abortion. The, the, uh, listen, I've been dealing with this issue for a while. I, I finally, at that point, said, you know what? Enough. We need a sane pro-life organization, one that is re- recognizes that it's better to get three feet down the field than no feet down the field, better to get uh, halfway down the football field than nowhere. And so I and a group of other friends, we got together, we started the Georgia Life Alliance, which has been just uh, doing yeoman's work 
on getting the fetal heartbeat legislation through the state legislature. Well, now Georgia Right to Life has come out and opened its big mouth, and what what you've got Republican leaders saying is, oh, maybe we shouldn't do this because the pro-life community's divided, you see. You see how this works. Now, I'm told privately, uh, well, uh, behind the scenes, I shouldn't say privately because I've been uh, told I can talk about this. It, what I'm told is that uh, some of the leadership at Georgia Right to Life just want to see this go to a conference committee where they think they can fix the bill. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. You may think that's how this works, but it's not. So what will happen in conference committee is they will actually weaken it further. See, I, I told you that one of the issues was... Uh, language that even Georgia Right to Life supported a number of years ago, uh, where if it is shown with medical certainty that the child could not survive outside the womb, uh, an abortion would be permissible. So, for example, you have a situation where a mother is pregnant uh, and must have chemotherapy treatment um, and does not miscarriage, but we know with certainty there's no way the child is going to survive outside the womb uh, under the law abortion would be permissible and that was acceptable to the pro-life community it was understood if we know you're going to go through all of the pain and emotion and heartbreak and know you're you're bringing into the world a child who is going to die the moment the child enters the world and all the doctors agree let's not prolong the suffering the problem is you get this into conference committee. There are a number of Republican leaders who have been wanting to weaken that language for years. So it's not just with medical certainty the child will die um, when the child is born, but the child may have uh, deformity. You don't want to weaken in that way, but that's what's going to happen in, in conference. Conference committees never work for conservatives. Conference committees have never worked for conservatives. You, you had to have these exceptions to get this legislation through the House and the Senate, you're telling me that somehow a conference committee is going to get rid of the exceptions and the legislation is going to be able to pass? That's not what it is. But we're dealing with zealots, and, and zealots stake this out. Now, uh, thankfully, Georgia Right to Life has discredited, itso discredited itself for so long over these sorts of nonsensical, um, chaotic campaigns that uh, Georgia Life Alliance really is the, the leading pro-life organization of the state. And then there are other, the Family Policy Alliance and other great conservative groups out there that, that are really carrying um, the weight on this issue while Georgia Right to Life does what it does and scrambles and screams and, and takes the position that it would rather continue to have abortions in the state uh, than to restrict them uh, because they can't ban it altogether, which is... I mean, I'm not going to compare them to North Korean. I'm not going to do that. But I'm just it, it infuriates me that Democrats are constantly willing to take steps down the field to get where they want. Uh, Ted Kennedy in 1977, after the failed Carter challenge in 1977 in the Senate, uh, um, Ted Kennedy began advocating for government health care. Ted Kennedy in 1977 gave his first impassioned speech on government health care. And every health care initiative that Ted Kennedy began after that was to make people more and more dependent on government until he finally was a lead author on Obamacare in 2009 before he died and essentially encouraged Democrats to use his death um, as the rallying cry for Democrats to finally get across the finish line, something he was willing to do in 1977, incrementally taking step after step after step after step after step all those years from 1977 all the way to 2009. And meanwhile, uh, pro -life, some pro-life groups out there say, oh, no, we can't take a step in the right direction unless we can get all the way immediately transported Star Trek style to the end of the field and accomplish the goal. It's so frustrating. And in the meantime, what the delay in the squabbling has done is it has allowed Democrats to mount opposition. They have polling that has come out from PPP, a Democratic polling firm, showing that people don't want this bill. They have Hollywood union groups coming out, uh, attacking Republicans, telling voters in those districts that their jobs are going to go away. You've got uh, the executives from Coca-Cola and others have now come out and said, oh, no, we can't have this legislation. They have allowed the Democrats have, by this delay, 
have allowed the opportunity to mount opposition. And then this opposition, by the way, also comes from Republican leaders. I, I think you can point the finger at, at David Ralston and others for not going on and pushing this through. They knew it was going to happen. They allowed it to be delayed because they really don't want this legislation passed. When we come back, though, we should examine this polling from public policy polling, the Democratic firm, and, and the entire suggestion that this is not something people want, the entire idea that people in Georgia are somehow more pro-abortion than the rest of the country combined, which is nonsensical. So you get an idea of what's going on, why this delay has been allowed to happen to mount this opposition to try to kill this legislation. Not all of us sleep the same way. 63% of Americans sleep on their sides. I'm one of them. I, I go from one slide to the other. I fall asleep on my back. I wake up in the morning. I'm on my side. My butterfly pillow gives you the support in the places you need it most. It keeps your neck, spine, and alignment throughout the night, even if you switch sides like I do. My butterfly pillow, and it's called my butterfly pillow. It's patented sleep technology. It elevates your head to where you need it. It includes a place to fit your arm and a pillow and a pillow for your ear. It's soft. It's comfortable. Listen, this is a pillow for people who get sleep. It's a pillow for people who get how I sleep. It's a pillow for you. The height is even adjustable to get the right height for you. And, you know, I, I also endorse the, the call map. My kids use it to go to sleep. Do you fall asleep with white noise or meditative sounds? Get this. The My Butterfly Pillow, it has a Bluetooth-adapted night owl speaker so you can listen to music, sounds, or even a smart TV. Seriously, it connects into Bluetooth. You can listen to music while you fall asleep. I do that, particularly when I'm taking naps. Listeners to the show can save $30 off the list price of $129. You use code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout, and you'll get My Butterfly Pillow for just $99 and free shipping in the continental United States. You go to MyButterflyPillow.com, you enter code ERIC at checkout, you save $30 and get free shipping. That's MyButterflyPillow.com. The checkout code is ERIC. You will get a better night's sleep. You'll get a better nap. You'll just get a better sleep experience with My Butterfly Pillow. It is Eric Erickson here. Welcome back. Atlanta's Evening News, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. So the Democrats have trotted out a poll from public policy polling. That is a Democratic firm that got a lot wrong in 2016 and 2018. It's fairly consistently gotten a lot of things wrong. Um, what's so interesting, though, is they claim to have done the survey of Georgia swing house districts, and it finds that 69% of Georgia voters, or nearly 7 in 10, believe abortion should be legal and that the government should not prevent a woman from making the decision whether or not to have an abortion for herself. 86% of Democrats, 69% of independents, 52% of Republicans believe Georgia should be legal. Only 29% of voters believe that having an abortion is wrong and should be illegal. A majority of Georgians also oppose elected officials supporting legislation to criminalize an abortion by a two-to-one margin. 56% of Georgians say they're less likely to vote for their elected official in the next election if they support this. Now, why am I reading you all of this? This is supposedly a poll of 605 voters spread across swing districts, conducted over two days with a margin of error of 4% conducted by automated phone poll, phone interviews by NARAL, uh, the National Abortion Rights League. What's so interesting about this polling, the number, is that it conflicts with every poll, live operator, in-depth poll. Seven in ten Georgians, according to this poll, believe abortion should be legal, according to Ample surveys from credible pollsters that don't have partisan affiliation, seven in 10 Americans are pro-life, including a majority of women. So somehow or another, this poll, and by the way, they won't actually show us the crosstabs. They sent out a one-page memo. There are no crosstabs for this poll. We don't know how they worded the question. Uh, we have no idea how the question was worded, and that actually matters uh, because, as you know, if you're a regular listener of this program, you can get pollsters to shape questions in ways that routinely will get people to tell you all sorts of things. Um, and that is deeply problematic. He's going to say something new and radical in the broadcast. 
What, that silly grand design? Bernard, that was precisely what you had to avoid. How did this come about? I shall need a very good explanation. Well, he's very keen on it. What's that got to do with it? <laughs> Things don't happen just because prime ministers are very keen on them. Neville Chamberlain was very keen on peace. <laughs> he, he, thinks, he thinks it's a vote winner. Ah, that's more serious to done. What makes him think that? Well, the party who had an opinion poll done, it seems all the voters are in favour of bringing back national service. We'll have another opinion poll done showing the voters are against bringing back national service. <laughs> we can't be for it, oh, against Of course they can, Bernard. Have you ever been surveyed? Yes. Well, not me, actually. My house. Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> well, Bernard, you know what happens. Nice young lady comes up to you. Obviously, you want to create a good impression. You don't want to look a fool, do you? <laughs> no. No. So she starts asking you some questions. Mr. Woolley, are you worried about the number of young people without jobs? Yes. Are you worried about the rise in crime among teenagers? Yes. Do you think there's a lack of discipline in our comprehensive schools? Yes. Do you think young people welcome some authority and leadership in their lives? Yes. Do you think they respond to a challenge? Yes. Would you be in favour of reintroducing national service? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, I suppose I might. Yes or no? Yes. Of course you would, Bernard. After all you've told you, you can't say no to that. So, they don't mention the first five questions and they publish the last one. Is that really what they do? Well, not the reputable ones, no, but there aren't many of those. <laughs> so, alternatively, the young lady can get the opposite result. How? Mr. Woolley, are you worried about the danger of war? Yes. Are you worried about the growth of armaments? Yes. Do you think there's a danger in giving young people guns and teaching them how to kill? Yes. Do you think it's wrong to force people to take up arms against their will? Yes. Would you oppose the reintroduction of national service? Yes. <laughs> there you are, you see, Bernard. The perfect balanced sample. So, we just commissioned our own survey for the Ministry of Defence. And you, that's what the Democrats did. It's very easy how they play these games. The media, of course, amplifying it. It's Eric Erickson here with Atlanta's Evening News, giving you the play-by-play of what's happening in the state legislature right now and taking your phone calls at 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. The fetal heartbeat legislation should be up for a vote tomorrow. Uh, if they delay it tomorrow, pretty big sign that House leaders, including the Speaker, have decided to scrap it. Uh, the Speaker, of course, continuing in this very precarious, interesting position where uh, behind the scenes he knows members of his own caucus want to get rid of him. They think he's a liability for next year, uh, but he's holding on to power thanks to some Democrats. One of the things that the Speaker is helping Democrats with in the state legislature is killing the airport takeover. Um, if you will recall, legislation passed the Senate that would allow the state to take control of Two Dead Mares Airport in Atlanta. The reason for taking control of Two Dead Mares Airport is because Hartsfield and Jackson, they're Two Dead Mares. Uh, the reason for taking over the airport is because it's the largest economic engine in the state. And the mayor's office in the past, not Keisha Lance Bottoms, who has thus far proven herself very competent, uh, but Kasim Reed and other mayors have used uh, the airport, or at least people in their administrations have used the airport for corruption. Uh, there are all sorts of procurement issues in the airport. And we shouldn't have a mayor with basically no oversight overseeing the single biggest economic engine in the state of Georgia. It makes no sense. And so the state legislature, led by Burt Jones, a state senator, wants to take over the airport. And the speaker is, uh, I am told, working with Democrats to make sure that this doesn't happen, uh, that it doesn't. It needs Democratic votes to stay in power. The Democrats understand that he, he kind of has to do a head fake on fetal heartbeat, uh, and they don't want him to do this. And so it looks like the airport may not. You know, I do have to say, one of the things that re the Republicans want to do in the state legislature that I think is bad, and it's not going to fly. I don't think the governor is going to stand for it. I think he'll veto it if it were to come out. But some of the Republicans state legislature, they want to raise the fuel tax on Delta. 
yes, 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 there was a there was the tax break issue, but uh, they don't want to just raise the put it back in play. They want to increase it. It would make Georgia, it would make uh, Two Dead Mares Airport in particular, have the highest fuel cost for any major airport in the country. I mean, for perspective, you know, Chicago just went back into the lead as, as a busier airport than Atlanta. Now, on most of the data, don't at me here, Hartsfield. Uh, on most of the data, Atlanta still leads takeoff landings, passengers, things like that. But uh, Chicago last year actually beat out Delta, I think, or beat out Delta, beat out Two Dead Mares Airport uh, on takeoffs and landings, but not in total passengers handled. You would put the Atlanta airport in a situation if the Republican plan passed of making Atlanta's airport have the highest fuel tax of any major airport in the country. And that will hurt business at the airport. That will hurt our ability to attract competitors to Delta, which in turn will allow Delta to raise prices, which in turn will cause Delta to have to raise prices because of increased fuel tax. It's not like they're going to absorb the cost. They'll pass it on to you. Uh, it's a dumb idea. Most of the Republicans don't favor this. You should know. Uh, but they're trying to, to – some of the, the Republicans want to do this for reasons – I have no idea why. It's ridiculous. But – uh, I do think the state needs to take over the Atlanta airport, and I do think the speaker's leadership is he's working with Democrats to make sure it doesn't happen because he needs their help to stay in his job in the same way he's dragging out and allowing the Rules Committee. And it really is. I, I mean, if we're pointing fingers precisely, it's at the Rules Committee in the state house. They've held up the fetal heartbeat legislation, and uh, they don't want Republicans to take a tough vote. Here's the problem with this. If we can just cut to the chase on this. You got a bunch of Republicans in our state legislature who have told you they love babies, they're pro-life, and they'll fight to defend life. And now they're being called to do that, and they're wimping out on us. So essentially, they've been lying to get your vote. For years, Republicans have said they love babies and Jesus, and they're pro-life. And they won't even pass religious liberty, let alone will they sign a pro or pass pro-life legislation. They want to be able to say they support the issue without ever being called to account on the issue. They're exposing themselves for hucksters and frauds. And at some point, you will get to a situation where we got with national politics and President Trump, where you have a base of a party that looks at the party leadership and says, oh, we can't stand you people. You lie to us repeatedly. Uh, let, let's, let's get out. Now, I'm being texted something play-by-play uh, -play update. Motion to agree to Senate changes. Um, ah, okay, 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 okay. So uh, someone is texting me and saying, don't hide behind rules. This actually is the speaker. Um, the motion to agree to the Senate changes on the Hartby bill isn't going to go through rules. It's at the discretion of the chair, all on the speaker's shoulders. So there you go. So the, this, is, this is the speaker. Um, here you go. So this is the speaker. Now, there are names. Uh, NARAL has released some names. And these are the names of the people they say could be pressured. Some of them silly, won't, won't happen. But okay, so here is who uh, the abortion group is targeting. Uh, Sharon Cooper, Chuck Martin, Brooks Coleman, David Clark. <laughs> are you? Do you really think you're going to, to browbeat David Clark into, into opposing uh, pro-life legislation? Good grief. Uh, Brett Harrell. Uh, Marcus Widower, Mac Jackson, Heath Clark, and Gerald Green. Um, they they are the ones who NARAL is targeting and wanting to beat up. Um, so keep that in mind. Sharon Cooper, Chuck Martin, Brooks Coleman, David Clark, Brett Harrell, Marcus Widower, Mac Jackson, Heath Clark, Gerald Green. Uh, those are NARAL's targets. Now, these are all good people, and you need to understand they're coming under enormous pressure from NARAL. So... You probably want to pat them on the back and, and tell them keep up the fight and please vote for the legislation. Also, uh, Ed R R Rinders, uh, Ridners, I have no idea how you pronounce his last name. I'm sorry, Ed. Uh, Butch Parrish, Matt Dubnik, uh, Houston Gaines, and Ron Stevens. Uh, they are not wavering, but they are being targeted. So just, just make sure they know you love them. Uh, it, it is important, I think, to tell these people to keep up the good work and please support this legislation because they're getting inundated with progressive activists, many of them from out of state, you should know. A lot of the progressive activists who are calling, uh, the pro-abortion groups, they do this. They organize people from out of state 
and assign them in-state addresses so they can claim to be constituents. And so they get overwhelmed with people who don't even live in the state claiming they live in the state, uh, say, give me your address to verify, and they give them a local address, and it may or may not be theirs. Uh, but that's what pro a lot of these progressive groups do. It's not just the abortion groups. It's the gay rights groups. It's the abortion groups on the left. They tend to do this. So you you get overwhelmed with people who are sitting in their boxer shorts in Brooklyn, New York, uh, calling in, claiming to live here and give you an address and it, it basically gin up the mob across across uh, across the country. So we want these people to stand firm. Now, uh, on to other state legislative issues. There is the hate crimes legislation that's been pending. It looks like it is dead, thank goodness. I, I got to tell you, I, I was in a email exchange with a friend of mine the other day who is undoubtedly conservative, but he supports hate crimes legislation, and he's trying to convince me, and I'm, I'm just not convinced. Uh, I, I oppose hate crimes legislation philosophically. I, I do not think we should have hate crimes legislation. I think when you commit a, a violent crime against someone— uh, hate is part of the motivation, and I don't think you should be tacked on for your thoughts in addition to your actions, uh, because there are a lot of people who hate a lot of people. I know I get the angry emails from people who hate me. We got a lot of hate listeners out there who who hate me and love to listen to hate me, uh, and they shouldn't be they shouldn't be accused of a crime for hating me. No one should be accused of a thought crime, and that's essentially what hate crimes are. I'm, I'm philosophically opposed to them. Uh, that legislation was pending in the state legislature. It looks like the hate crimes legislation is going to die. Thank goodness. It is. 55 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News, and the phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let us go to the phones to Brian in Cartersville. Welcome. How you doing, Eric? Good. How are you? I am pretty good. Uh, first, I want to say I love the show. I enjoy listening to you. Um, you got some really good commentary a lot of times. But on this fetal heartbeat bill, this is actually something I'm going to have to part ways with you on because I actually am opposed to it. Okay. Why are you opposed? Well, at six weeks, it's not even technically a fetus. It's a fetal pole. And the mo- the heart motion that you will see on ultrasound, it's not a heart. It's, it's the cells that will become the heart. And the sound you actually hear that comes out of the ultrasound machine is the machine interpreting the waveforms of the movement of the cells. And it doesn't even really start to look like a baby until 10 weeks. And a lot of the genetic testing you can do to find certain things, you can't do to 10 10 weeks. And some women don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks. So I just, I don't think it's fair to call it a heartbeat bill when at six weeks, it's not technically a heartbeat. So what if it was 10 or 12 weeks? Oh, then that'd be that'd be a different story. If if you're looking at a point in time when it is actually a fully formed heart, then that that's something to consider. But to to, to call it say there's a heartbeat at six weeks, I think is kind of is, is misleading. Well, look, I I, th- I think you make a, a fair point and you articulate it well. I, I I disagree with you because I I do think that uh, this is a stage of fetal development where, as you said, that the cells are beginning to pulse in ways where. It, forms a heart but i i understand your point and in fact we got sharon cooper in the state house saying that it needs to be 12 weeks uh because of your point uh that it that it actually is a fully farmed heart and, and listen it, what he's saying is right folks um you you can disagree but is scientifically it is it's the cells that form the heart begin pulsing in a way that develops the heart and it's fully formed as a heart uh in around the 10th week uh, now i say it still should be protected because we're showing this heart development progress from this point at 6 weeks uh, he disagrees but it's it's a valid point and you've got Sharon Cooper in the state legislature and the state house saying this needs to be extended to, to 12 weeks uh, when the heart is fully formed. I think uh, more and more research does show that once you get to this point at six weeks where these uh, cells begin the pulsing that forms the heart, that you have a viable fetus and should proceed. And I think life should be, frankly, I think abortion should be legal altogether. But um, I, I will agree to disagree on that one, but I appreciate his point. It is, it, And he made it very well. Um I will be doing an action alert on this. I, I, I honestly, 
I, I pay for the action system out of my own pocket. And with being in the emergency room these last several days with my wife, I, I, I don't know that I got the money for it. So if you use it, uh, please consider a donation. Um, but I'm going to do an action alert for the fetal heartbeat legislation. Uh, you will need to stick around through the commercial break, but I will set it up as well so that you will be able to call your member of the state legislature and tell them to support the legislation in addition to emailing and tweeting. I, I rarely turn on the phone option, but I think it's worth it. Uh, they're getting bombarded by progressives, so we need you guys to respond as well if you care about this legislation. When we come back, the Democrats are doubling down on Bob Mueller, denying the report. I'll explain. It's Eric Erickson here and Atlanta's Evening News. Welcome. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We have national news we need to delve into this evening. I will have your keyword set up for texting here momentarily uh, so that you can take action to support the fetal heartbeat legislation. Stand by on that front. Democrats are doubling down on their opposition to uh, Bob Mueller's report now that they essentially embraced him, said he would solve all their problems. He did not. And now they're refusing to acknowledge the fact that uh, Mueller said there was no collusion with Russia. They're demanding the full report, which I'm okay with. Re- release the entire report. Let's just be honest. They want the report released so they can drag people through the mud. Uh, nonetheless, uh, they, well, they're, they're not happy at all with the way the Mueller report has turned out. Here's Bernie Sanders. Senator Sanders, are you going to accept the, the Mueller report if there's no collusion? Pardon me? If there's no collusion, are you going to accept the Mueller report? What we need right now is to see the full report. But when you read the full report, and there's no collusion, and there's no collusion, what will happen then? That's all, sir. Thank you. What will happen then, sir? If there's no collusion in the final report, what will happen then, sir? <laughs> the he, he doesn't he de- doesn't want to go there. Uh, I I can't necessarily say that I blame the guy. Um, he's 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 upset. Uh, he, they're all upset. The Democrats are. They're all upset because they really expected there to be collusion. And, you know, it's not just that. I mean, they invested so much in that. You know what else they invested in the Democrats? They invested in Michael Avenetti. Now, you've got a lot of reporters walking this back, claiming they didn't really treat him with that level of credibility, that he was just one of many talking heads. Uh, our, Our friends at Grabian put this together, and it's worth sharing with you. Stormy Daniels lawyer Michael Avenatti is laying down the law. And is he really thinking about running for president? Joining me now live, the man himself, Michael Avenatti. Let's talk to somebody who understands the system very well. Michael Avenatti. He's Donald Trump's worst nightmare. Michael Avenatti. Michael, thanks so much for being here. Did you talk to Stormy Daniels last night? What was her reaction? Did the president just get a new challenger for 2020? Stormy Daniels lawyer Michael Avenatti may have just tossed his hat into the ring. Looking ahead to 2020, uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. First, let me take a moment to brag on my former student. This dude right here, I think of him as in a Justice League with Robert Mueller to save our democracy. A nine-year-old boy has been reunited with his mother in Guatemala. And the person who helped make this happen, Stormy Daniels lawyer and potential presidential candidate, Michael Avenatti. What do you say to critics who say this is a publicity stunt? Doing good work, having kids reunited with their parents. I mean, my record speaks for itself. Probably one of the biggest stars we have at this dinner tonight, of course. This is Michael Avenatti. And the only person right here, Donald Trump fears more than Robert Miller. Mueller. 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 Please welcome Michael Avenatti. Yeah, I, I do think that, uh, that Trump is afraid of you. Lawyers don't normally do talk shows. I'm not your normal lawyer. Yes, you are something of a folk hero now. Let's be honest, the whole reason that we're in love with you and Stormy is because we think you guys 
or the tip of the spear that's going to take down Donald Trump. <laughs> that was Bill Maher there. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they loved him. And I think Maher spoke for a lot of not just Democrats, but members of the media that this guy was the tip of the spear to take down Donald Trump. And it turns out that he did not. How often is the media going to get played on this stuff? I, I have no idea. All right. Um, it is ready. I had to stall for a minute because there was a technical issue in the background. I have it ready to go. I'm going to turn on the live. I love watching this in real time. Uh, it, it just, uh, I'm amazed by these things. So I've got it set up now for you guys so that you can text the word resurgent, uh, to five, two, eight, eight, six, uh, text the word resurgent. I'm doing it myself. You text the word resurgent to five, two, eight, eight, six. And oh, oh, somebody beat me to it. Uh, doggone it. Somebody was faster than me. Uh, you text the word resurgent to 52886, and what you will do is you're going to get a form where you put in your first and last name, and then you put in your address and zip code, and then you put in your email address, and uh, you, you have to do this because we got to be able to connect you to your right person, uh, and you will automatically be able to generate an email and then once you do that, you will be able to send a tweet. And then once you do that, you'll be able to do a phone call to your members of the state legislature, of the state house. That, that's, that's the important one here, uh, is to the state house telling them to take action to support the fetal heartbeat legislation. We will make it happen uh, one way or the other. Now, uh, there may be some technical issues along the way because we've been having back-end issues, but that's okay. We'll get them worked out, and in the process, you'll be able to take action uh, on the fetal heartbeat legislation. Uh, important stuff. We need to move on to Stacey Abrams. We need to move on to Stacey Abrams because Stacey Abrams is on a on a press tour. She's on a press tour because, well, Democrats have decided they feel guilty. There's a level of, dare I say, white guilt among some of the, the upper echelons of the Democratic Party who they spent all that time and effort and money on Beto O'Rourke that they ignored Stacey Abrams. And, you know, I, I, I do think, in fact, let me let me play this audio for you um, of, of what she said. Okay, uh, so Abrams went on TV, and I want to play this audio for you, give you a gist of, of her thinking on why she didn't get as much attention as Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> well, last time we spoke to you, you were on satellite and you were in a really tight race for governor uh, of Georgia and trying to become the first black female governor in this entire country, which is shocking to me. Um, you ended up uh, not getting the number of votes you needed uh, to Republican Governor Brian Kemp by just 54,000 votes um, after a grueling 10 day standoff. And while you gave a speech recognizing that Brian Kemp would be Georgia's ne next governor, you refused to concede and say that you lost. Do you stand by that decision today? Absolutely. Uh, in the preface to my book, I actually talk about the fact that I read my book. And in my book, I say <laughs> part of power, part of leadership is being able to call out problems where you see them. We are so often, if you come from the outside, you're so often told to be complicit in your own demise. You are taught to accept what happens to you because that's the only way you can make progress. But the reality is the more you accept the diminution of your power, the more powerless you become. And in this space, the election was not fair. The process was not fair. I can't say that empirically I won, but I will never know because we did not have a fair fight. Mm -hmm. And my responsibility was to acknowledge that he had the numbers, but to call out the fact that the process was wrong. So you don't feel that you lost fair and square. You know, it's, what's so interesting about it is that uh, two days before the election, she went on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd, and Chuck Todd asked her if she would accept the election as fair or would she try to undermine the election and show oh, oh oh it's fair 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 it'll, it'll definitely be a fair election only after the election you say whoa 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 no it wasn't fair so before the election she she said two days before the election she would accept the results and she never has oh but there's more there's so much more i gotta play you the audio from her her cbs tour because you know she's on her book tour this, this is her thing. Uh, she's on a book tour now. Wait till you hear what she said to CBS. In the meantime, text the word resurgent to 52886. Tell your state house member to support the fetal heartbeat legislation.
Not all of us sleep the same way. 63% of Americans sleep on their sides. I'm one of them. I, I go from one slide to the other. I fall asleep on my back. I wake up in the morning. I'm on my side. My butterfly pillow gives you the support in the places you need it most. It keeps your neck, spine, and alignment throughout the night, even if you switch sides like I do. My butterfly pillow, and it's called my butterfly pillow. It's patented sleep technology. It elevates your head to where you need it. It includes a place to fit your arm and a pillow and a pillow for your ear. It's soft. It's comfortable. Listen, this is a pillow for people who get sleep. It's a pillow for people who get how I sleep. It's a pillow for you. The height is even adjustable to get the right height for you. And you know, I, I also endorse the, the call map. My kids use it to go to sleep. Do you fall asleep with white noise or meditative sounds? Get this, the My Butterfly Pillow, it has a Bluetooth adapted night owl speaker so you can listen to music sounds or even a smart TV. Seriously, it connects into Bluetooth. You can listen to music while you fall asleep. I do that, particularly when I'm taking naps. Listeners to the show can save $30 off the list price of $129. You use code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K at checkout, and you'll get my butterfly pillow for just $99 and free shipping in the continental United States. You go to mybutterflypillow.com, you enter code ERIC at checkout, you save $30 and get free shipping. That's mybutterflypillow.com. The checkout code is ERIC. You will get a better night's sleep. You'll get a better nap. You'll just get a better sleep experience with my butterfly pillow. Y'all, if I win the lottery tonight, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to take the day off if I win the lottery tonight. It's like, what, $750 million, something like that. I, I don't often buy lottery tickets, but when it gets above $500 million, I figure, what the heck, I can I can waste $2 and do it. If I, if I win, though, I'm taking, I might take Friday off as well if I win tonight. Of course, I might already be scheduled to take both days off. I don't know. Now, let's go to the phones. Uh, Steve and Canton, you're going to be next. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Sure. Just wanted to uh, comment on your statement earlier regarding the hate crime legislation. Yep. Uh, I disagree with you because I really do believe that thought, I mean, that that's paramount to, I guess, a you know, a, a decision regarding something, you know, regarding a case. And, you know, regarding charging someone. So, you know, it's one thing if you go in and and commit a crime and it's, it's horrible. But to do it because of what someone looks like or what the religion is, I think that rises to another another level. Well, yeah, look, I get your point, but I think if you're committing the crime, uh, you've got the factors related to why you committed the crime that can be used in, in punishing the person without also tacking on the additional crime for their thought. Uh, you go in and you, you committed atrocity because of someone's religion or, or whatnot. I mean, you, you kill someone, you're, you're going to get the death penalty, I hope. Uh, and so like George Bush said back in the, in, I guess the two thousands, uh, when Democrats were complaining about his refusal to pass hate crimes in Texas, uh, what are you going to do? Dig them up and kill them again? Uh, but you, you know, I listen, I appreciate the point and there are a lot of folks who agree with you. I just, I, I philosophically, I'm, I'm opposed to hate crimes because you are essentially punishing someone for their thought as opposed to their deed, punish them for the deed, uh, punish them more harshly. If, if for um, if they did something uh, because of a religious group or or what have you, but you can factor that in already without the additional hate crime. But uh, don't ever let it be said I don't have people on here who disagree with me. All the calls tonight have, and I'm perfectly fine taking them. We'll take more of your calls when we come back. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Welcome back. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We need to discuss Plant Vogel. Rick Perry was in town on Friday, I mentioned. He was insuring some federal funds to make sure that this nuclear power plant could go forward. 
And they've taken a really big step at Plant Vogel. Very encouraging. They basically put the cap on. Um, and that is, as a, a friend of mine described, basically you you complete the capsule of a of a Tylenol pill. All, all the all the the stuff you need is now on the inside. All the nuclear matter. You, it's like putting the engine in the car. This is a huge step forward for a project that has been delayed and delayed and delayed again. Um, I, I was never a big fan of the funding mechanism for this, but once we headed down that road, uh, I think it was good for them to stick with it. I think the Public Service Commission in Georgia, Bubba McDonald and the rest of them, Tim Eccles, the like, they, they deserve a big round of applause for seeing this project through. Uh, and the reason that I put it that way is because there's been a lot of pressure to not go forward with this project, even though all that money had been put into it. And I think we're going to see Georgia turn a, on a nuclear reactor and it's going to be a good thing for us. It's going to be a good thing because as the left ramps up discussion about their supposed green new deal, what we actually find is that their Green New Deal, in addition to being uh, more expensive, I mean, it's so expensive, even Barack Obama is telling him it's too expensive. But we're also finding they don't have a plan for nuclear power. They're scared of it. You can't have real power, a real plan for power that is green without having nuclear power for a number of reasons, one of which is if you go solar and wind, well, guess what? Sometimes the wind doesn't blow and sometimes the sun doesn't shine. You need to have some nuclear power in there. You know, there's a story out today, actually, that in France, uh, cows across the country are dying. And it turns out that the solar panels and the wind turbines they're using in France, uh, they leak electrical current into the ground. And in leaking electrical current into the ground, human beings are capable of processing that stray electricity, and cows are not. And cows are falling over. Whole herds have been wiped out in parts of France uh, near where they have uh, solar farms and near where they have wind turbine farms. And, of course, in, in the United States, they wipe out whole flocks of birds, the wind turbines. They're not, they're not dependable energy either. I mean, this is this is uh, Senator Markey from Massachusetts, the Senate author of the Green New Deal. He voted, he refused to vote for his plan in the Senate yesterday. Over the past six weeks, we've engaged in more debate about climate change than we have over the past 10 years. That was always part of the goal of the Green New Deal resolution. We cannot and we will not allow this debate to be cut short by Republican political games. We are just getting started because now is the era of the Green New Deal. Well, that, that sounds all great, except he, he says they wanted to debate the Senate, put it to the floor, and he refused to vote for his own plan because it's all for show. Kristen Gillibrand, who's running for president, Democratic senator from New York. Congress has to take this crisis seriously. We need to treat climate change like the existential threat that it is. We need to pass a Green New Deal. This should be our nation's moonshot. Except she wouldn't vote for it. She says they need to pass it, but she wouldn't vote for it. And they're hostile to nuclear power. The Democrats, they want to have it both ways. They want, they want their Green New Deal. They don't want to vote for it. They want renewable clean energy. They don't want nuclear power. Essentially, they're talking out of both sides of the mouth. They're not really serious here. Well, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she has gone on a tirade now because the Republicans dared to suggest they vote on her plan. She says, this is the plan. This is what we need. People, they, they got to sign on to the Green New Deal. So Mitch McConnell put it up for a vote in the Senate. Not only did all the Democrats vote the president, some of them actually voted against it. Uh, Doug Jones from Alabama voted against it. Kristen Sinema from Arizona voted against it. Joe Manchin from uh, West Virginia voted against it. And, and uh, what's his name? King, Angus King, the ind Democrat independent. From Maine, they actually, they didn't vote present, they voted no. Well, she's having none of it, AOC is. But aside from that, when we talk about uh, the concern of the environment as an elitist concern, one year ago, I was waitressing in a taco shop in downtown Manhattan. I just got health insurance for the first time a month ago. 
This is not an elitist issue. This is a quality of life issue. You want to tell people that their the, concern yes. and what, their desire. What, 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 what does her insurance have to do with the Green New Deal? I, I, I no idea. Air and clean water is elitist. Tell that to the kids in the South Bronx, which are suffering from the highest rates of childhood asthma in the country. Tell that to the families in Flint whose kids have their blood is ascending in, in lead levels. Their brains are damaged for the rest of their lives. Call them elitist. Tell, you're telling them that those kids are trying to get on a plane to Davos? People are dying. And she's listing all Democrat-controlled areas of the country. They're dying. And the response across the other side of the aisle is to introduce an amendment five minutes before a hearing and a markup. This is serious. Hey, wait, 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 wait. It's so serious that she urged the Democrats themselves to vote against her own legislation. Not be a partisan issue. This is about our constituents and all of our lives. Iowa, Nebraska, broad swaths, swaths of the swaths. Midwest are drowning right now underwater. Farms, towns that will never be recovered and never come back. And we're here and, and people are more concerned about helping oil companies than helping their own Americans. families. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. This is about our lives. This is about American lives. And it should not be partisan. Science should not be partisan. The Science should not be partisan, she says. We yeah, 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 yeah. She goes on and on and on from there. My goodness gracious, she just can't stop. She just can't stop. And now, Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You have a reusable mug. If you own a reusable mug and you get a paper mug, are you a bad person? That was Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And so, uh... Jessica Fletcher, uh, not Murder, She Wrote Jessica Fletcher, uh, but Jessica Fletcher works for the Daily Caller. She put up a tweet. It's a, a surveillance footage. Uh, Gun rights or women's rights, she tweets, and shows a video of a guy who hops out of his car and tries to grab a, looks like a college-aged girl who's walking past. Uh, she is able to back away from him, pull out her gun, and shoot him. Um Good for her. Yes, uh, you know, I, I, my wife loves a group called Well-Armed Woman, and we make sure that our daughter knows how to use a gun. Uh, it is uh, gun rights or women's rights. Uh, keep your child safe. Teach them self-defense. It is, it's, it's something, man, I, I hate it, but it's kind of necessary. You, you kind of got to do these things. You just, you got to by necessity. And now, Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And this idea that if we just, you know, I've been working on this for X amount of years, it's like not good enough. Like we need a universal sense of urgency and people are trying to like introduce watered down proposals that are frankly going to kill us. That was Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I'm just so happy Charlie came up with this idea to do these because, I mean, the stuff that the, this lady says, and I'm in the camp that I think too many people obsess over, but she really is becoming the front person for the Democrats on this New Deal, so Green New Deal stuff. So time to mock away. <laughs> 